Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Monday, August 19th, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Apologies for it being a little bit late today. Uh, just getting back home from my uh, extended weekend vacation there. Uh, so, you know, a little bit late on the episode today. Back to your regularly scheduled 5 a.m. post episodes uh, starting tomorrow and then all through the week as the plan is right now to do uh, five episodes this week and for the remainder of the year and into next year until you know a couple weeks uh, after the college basketball season comes to an end. So back to full strength, back to full schedule. We are fully in preseason mode, about to switch to regular season mode next week. So exciting times here. We're you know we're five days out from college football. Uh, what is it? Eleven days. 10 days? I don't know. I'm not good at math. Next Friday, Michigan State plays Tulsa. Uh, so we're, we're getting closer and closer. On today's show, uh, the first AP poll of the season came out. Uh, I want to talk about where Michigan State ranks on that. Uh, and I also want to talk about where, uh, not where, <laughs> what uh, Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press wrote about uh, had by New Deals put Michigan State a football offensive assistance on the hot seat. Really interesting article that is uh, good reporting done by uh, Chris and Steve Berkowitz with the Free Press. So we'll talk about that as well. That is the plan. Um, Michigan State had a uh, scrimmage over the weekend. We don't have any information from that yet. It's going to be, I think, 4.30-ish p.m. today. I won't, unfortunately, be there for that. Um but after practice, we'll, the media will find out more about the scrimmage, and then we'll be able to talk about that uh, on tomorrow's episode. So that's the plan for today's show. Reminder to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. Uh, check out my word, spartanswire.usatoday.com. I'm always plugging that. You guys know that. Uh, if you want to come on the show here, uh, this week is the last week. I'll uh, leave this open. Locked on Spartans at gmail.com or at will underscore underscore hunter one L two underscores. Uh, you can send a message my way if you want to come on and go through the schedule and pick some games and give your predictions for the season. Uh, starting next week, we're going to, you know, have some of the other local experts uh, on to talk about the season, get you prepared, big questions, big answers, big answers. That doesn't make sense. Big questions, some potential answers. Uh, all that sort of stuff. We'll have Sheehan on. We'll chop it up and, and be funny. And then we will, uh, the, the last couple of days there, get you fully prepped for Tulsa, things to look out for. So next week, uh, we're really going to start firing things up, uh, but it all begins this week with today's episode. So I believe that is all the homework that I have to do to catch up on. So let's get into the show. Okay, so the AP poll comes out, and Michigan State is ranked number 18 in the preseason version of the poll. Uh, first reaction was I was surprised a little bit uh, that they were that high, uh, not you know majorly overrated or anything along those lines, but I thought they'd be 22, 23, 21, somewhere in that spot. It's kind of been the, uh, the sweet spot where they sort of have fallen into line um, I think the NCAA had him at 20. Uh, Bleacher Report had him unranked. The coaches poll may have been 20 or 22. 
Kind of been in that spot, 20 to 25, a little bit of unranked. And now we got a, a poll where they're a little bit, um, you know, over that spot, number coming at number 18. And so, like I said, my first reaction was I was a little bit surprised. Um, with all these polls, I think a lot of it is, you know, we, we've talked about this before. How did you finish last season? What are you returning? And what is the reputation of your program? What is the prestige? And those are kind of the boxes you have to check. And then, you know, you kind of just take a, a broad look at things and sort of start slotting teams in uh, as you see fit. And so that extends from the very obvious, which is Clemson coming off a great season, great program, returning a bunch of great players. Like number one, Alabama coming off a great season, uh, returning a bunch of players, bunch of talent, great prestige. Number two, like it just sort of slots in like that where it's very obvious. And then you get down to a program like Michigan State, who's at 18 and you say, OK, they didn't finish off last season. Great. Um, they finished seven and six. Embarrassing in the Red Box Bowl offensively, really down the stretch. The last uh, the offense wasn't great all season, but the last six games or so uh, were really tough to watch offensively. Take into account the injuries uh, and. You know, you could maybe feel a little bit better about it, but there's no way to paint what happened last season at the end of last season uh, into a pretty picture. You just you, you can't do it. So not great marks on that, although you get some solid marks in terms of, well, at least the defense was outstanding. Michigan State gave up 11 or 55 points in their last five games with a couple of really good teams, uh, really good offenses mixed into that. So a little bit of up and down to that but overall you know losing to Oregon in the fashion that they did losing to Ohio State in the way they did the way they looked offensively in that game uh, the way they lost to Nebraska uh, in just a really horrible game the way they barely beat Rutgers you know from a team perspective a total team perspective and a results perspective they didn't finish the season great and so I you know I've been saying if you know when Bleacher Report left them off I wasn't uh, you know, shocked by it, wasn't uh, upset on behalf of the fans of, of Michigan State, just like, you know, maybe they don't deserve to be ranked right now, and that's okay because of the way the season ended, just based on the results. Then you look to something like returning players, and this is where Michigan State does really well, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you're returning 8 of 11, uh, and defensive lineman of the year, uh, Kenny Willekes, uh All-American, uh, in the in the middle of the defense and Joe Pachi, uh, safety with seven interceptions the last two seasons, uh, just really good players all over at really important spots. Uh, and Michigan just passes it with flying color. Michigan State, excuse me, passes with flying colors. Uh, and returning players on the defensive side, they return a lot of guys on offense too. Some of it's good. Cody White, Daryl Stewart. Uh, we think Brian Lewerke. Uh, should be healthy, and, and that's a good one too. But then others are, well, how good is this group? How good is the offensive line? How good can the running backs be? Yes, they're returning players from there, but are you returning average players, slightly above average players instead of really good players? Uh, and is that truly a huge benefit? Yeah, they should be better, but how much better can they be? What is the ceiling? So Michigan State does well there uh, overall from a returning players perspective. What I think is surprising and and this is newer, is that Michigan State uh, is seemingly finally getting some of the respect that uh, a lot of people have been craving over the years. Uh, I think sometimes 
just given with, you know, Michigan uh, being in the state, sharing the state with Michigan, and the way that that program is viewed, weighed against the results, there's a lot of, well, why are we still overrating Michigan? They haven't been to Indy yet. They haven't won the Big Ten. They've been good, never great. Uh, It's been 20 years nearly since they were really an elite football team that produced results to match their their abilities. The 2016 team was really talented there, but they fell short of what they should have been. And so I I think we get a lot of that, and uh, we don't fully realize that the national picture of Michigan State is still somewhat favorable. Um, You know, I think national media, people who cover Michigan State, who cover college football, have a lot of respect for Mark D'Antonio, have a lot of respect for what Michigan State does. I, I... you're not going to find anybody who knows anything about college football to say anything bad about the way Michigan State plays defense. <laughs> like, that is just uh, unequivocally one of the things that, like, name me some facts about college football, and eventually you'll get to a point where, well, Michigan State's going to be really good on defense. And like, yep. So there's still some, uh, you know, some prestige with Michigan State. Maybe it hasn't felt like that with a couple of rough seasons in the last few uh, taking some of the sheen off the the run during the Connor Cook years, uh, but I think you know if we if we look at something like this preseason poll, if we look at even the, the coaches poll, the other polls, the the major polls, that Michigan State is still getting some significant love. I, I think if they went unranked, if they were twenty seven to thirty second, somewhere in that range, in all these polls, uh, that would make sense. I, I would understand it. I would think they're underrated. But I would completely understand how someone would come to that pers- that 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 picture, that perspective, that decision. Just saying, like, yeah, they're going to be really good on defense. Um, you know, maybe they're it's a neutral on defense. They were really truly elite last year. It's tough to get much better than what they were. And maybe they kind of stay right in the same spot, top five defense, nothing to shake a stick at. But how much are they going to improve offensively? Are they middling again? And if they are middling again on offense. You know, is this maybe an eight-win team instead of a ten-win team, and someone I want to rank twenty-seventh instead of fifteenth? You know, that's sort of the difference there, and I would totally understand that perspective, and I think it's a valid one. But I think there's belief from outside the program, from outside the fan base, uh, from outside the region that Mark D'Antonio, that Michigan State, have shown enough uh, in recent years to earn a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. It's not an Alabama benefit of the doubt. It's not of Texas, USC, uh, Michigan, benefit of the doubt, Ohio State, benefit of the doubt, which is weird. Ohio State is getting just like, yes, I understand losing Urban Meyer, but like the talent and the players that they have there, they're keeping continuity. Like if anyone has earned the benefit of the doubt to be elite, it's Ohio State. And yet people are like, well, maybe the 10th this year. Like, no, they're probably going to be top five. Um, Anyway, tangent there. Michigan State is seeming to have earned some benefit of the doubt, not at the level of those elite programs, but like the next notch below that where they can come off a a mediocre season and and people say, yeah, we think they're going to bounce back. We believe enough in D'Antonio, in Michigan State to think that, yes, they're going to bounce back. And that's, that's nice. That's worth something. That's a good sort of accomplishment. It shows where Michigan State is nationally. They're a relevant program. Um... They matter on a national scale, not to the level of the elite teams, but again, sort of at that next level. And there's someone that's always going to be considered, at least as long as D'Antonio is here and things sort of keep rolling along, as a team that can threaten and potentially win the Big Ten. And that's 
that's not a bad place to be. It's not the the level of Michigan or Ohio State, but it's right below them. And it's with Penn State, it's with Wisconsin. It's a top 25 program. Uh, and that's, you know, maybe a little bit of perspective to like, we don't need to be that sensitive or insecure about what people think of the program. It's pretty well thought of, uh, maybe even better thought of than we uh, might think on first blush. All right, let's take a break there. When we get back, we'll talk about these new contracts that uh, Michigan State Offensive Assistants had to sign and uh, what it might mean. Guys, if you're playing fantasy football, you need to listen to Vinny Iyer and Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else because then you're just going to be the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and keep you ahead all season long. Locked On Fantasy Football can be found on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back to Locked On Spartans. Let's talk about some salaries for assistance. Uh, this is from the Free Press and uh, according to documents obtained by the USA Today Sports Network, uh, Michigan State's, uh, you know, they, they shuffled the offensive staff up and along with that uh, made them sign, uh, oh, what's the word here? I don't want to say the correct word because I'm not a, a legal expert. Uh, amended, jeez. That's, that's tough. Amended contracts. Um, couldn't think of it there for a second. Uh, Michigan State's offensive assistants had to sign amended contracts. Uh, Brad Salem got a raise. Uh, he is now making $517,000. Uh, and Dave Warner is making just a little bit less than that. But after Salem got his raise, uh, Warner Bowman, Mark Staten, uh, and Terrence Samuel did not get raises. So the entire offensive staff from last season, did not get raises. The defensive staff got raises, uh, and that's significant. That's sort of, you know, rewarding some production. But the big thing here is that uh, Michigan State assistants, just uh, as a little background here, Michigan State assistants uh, are on, have been on two-year rolling renewal contracts. Um, and basically that uh, provides some protection for them. And in case of termination, there's some financial obligations with longer deals. Uh, there's built-in raises. And then they roll over uh, between March or the end of the season and March 15th. If they're not let go, uh, they additionally, they keep tacking a year onto the end of the thing. So a little bit of a, a, an extra commitment uh, with these two-year rolling deals. The offensive staff from last season have now been cut to one-year rolling extensions. Uh, the first thing that is noteworthy about that is the security uh, is sort of gone there. The financial obligations that Michigan State would have towards these uh, assistants should they be fired uh, is no longer what it was. Uh, if, you know, whatever the, the buyout numbers were, whatever they would be owed, uh, you know, if they were terminated before the end of the deal or they were decided, you know, I guess it would be technically their contracts weren't renewed. That's no longer in existence. Uh, basically, between the end of the season and March 15th, if someone on the staff or the entire staff or Whatever the case may be, uh, is this, if they decide to let them go, uh, all they have to do is notify them uh, in that time period that their contract will not be renewed, uh, and then uh, that's the end of it. That's that's the way they go. Um, if they do uh, decide to do it, it'll continue, and if they get past that March 15th date and haven't been fired or haven't been not renewed, uh, then their contract will automatically be renewed starting April 1st for the uh, next season. And so that puts every single assistant uh, on the offensive side of the ball 
uh, and now Terrence Samuel, who is no longer uh, there, uh, on sort of notice. It puts them on a little bit of an assistant hot seat, uh, if we want to use that term, because that is going to demand some reason to keep them around. Uh, It makes it easier to move on from them. And it puts, uh, I I would think it would put some additional pressure on these guys to be the very best they could be to get results based on this. I don't think, you know, unless it goes catastrophically wrong this year that I I just don't see D'Antonio especially after what happened after last season. I don't see a clearing house situation. Somebody could not be renewed. Um, you know, Maybe this is totally just throwing it out there. Maybe the tight ends are a disaster this season, and uh, they decide it's time to move on from Mark Staten, or Mark Staten, who is someone who has interviewed for lower-level head coaching jobs and other assistant-type uh, things, would be someone who's like, all right, we're just not going to renew you. Let's get you placed. Uh, at this job, and that's what D'Antonio has done before, like with Dan Rauscher when he left as the offensive coordinator and went and took the Saints, uh, New Orleans Saints running backs job uh, in the NFL. And so this scenario uh, makes it easier for them to sort of move on from that. And I think, uh, you know, I think that's a good thing to get things going. It's not like these guys are all new hires. You know, you'd like to see when a coach is brought in and their staff's brought in, you know, a three-year commitment, a two-year commitment, as long as it's not, it's not a disaster to let's get this thing going. Let's get the train on the tracks. Let's make sure we've got something here. Uh, let's make sure we have enough information before we make a decision based on futures. Let's not fire people after one year's. Let's not just, you know, be rash about things. That's not how D'Antonio has run the program. Uh, but these guys are not brand new hires. They've all been with the program for uh, a number of years. Some of, you know, Dave Warner, Mark Staten have been with D'Antonio since the Cincinnati days. Uh, Salem's been here since 2010. Terrence Samuel, 2011, and Jim Bowman arrived in 2013. These guys uh, are kind of known commodities within the walls of the program. And so I think, you know, not that this is a last ditch effort, but if it doesn't work, uh, the decision to move on from these guys has become easier based on uh, the financial aspect of it, based on the con- the contractual obligations Michigan State has to them. Uh, it's just less. And everyone's been saying the right things. Everyone's been saying, you know, this is a team effort. We're all in this together. D'Antonio complimented how everyone's been handling it. It's been, you know, everyone's happy, rah-rah, it's great. Um, and you know, we're proceeding on with this, but, uh, this amendment, these amendments to the contract show that, you know, there's a little bit more at play than what we uh, originally thought with just the reshuffling that there is not an ultimatum or anything like that, but there's been a little bit of additional pressure applied to these guys just in terms of a little bit more of lack of security, uh, a little bit more of a need for them to have to prove themselves uh, in order to keep that renewal going. And if it goes well, I, I would think that they would, um, maybe even after this season, uh, signed amended contracts again, get back on the two-year renewal, everyone gets a raise, uh, and we're all hunky-dory moving along down the road. But that is, uh, it's an interesting development, something we didn't have originally reported, 
when the the changes were announced and so i think it's uh, it adds an important piece of context that you know these guys are very aware of their contract situations uh they're aware of what that means d'antonio has probably talked with them about the this situation moving forward and there's only so much you can do if if results aren't produced at this level i don't care how good of friends you are the loyalty uh anything along those lines there has to be a, a bottom line at some point because it's a bottom line business. And so this is a, just maybe a, another inching towards that bottom line that, hey, you guys got to produce. If we don't produce, we, it's, we're going to have to make real big changes aside from just changing the name plates and someone else moving into a corner office. All right, let's take a break right there. Uh, when we get back, I want to talk about the athletics uh Big Ten breakdown, Big Ten preview. I noticed something interesting when I was going through that, uh, and I wanted to talk about that. So we'll do that after this quick break. Guys, the new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows among all NFL podcasts. You get the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson, and it is hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things in the National Football League. Subscribe to Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. Let's talk about uh, this interesting little roundtable group discussion, whatever you want to call it, that The Athletic did with Bruce Feldman, Stuart Mandel, and Andy Staples, uh, you know, national editors, national college football writers, three of the top college football guys uh, at The Athletic, probably the three top uh, college football guys, college football names at The Athletic. Uh, and they're just predicting the Big Ten football for this season. I'll just go through these real quick. Bruce Feldman, who has been all over the Michigan hype train uh, this offseason, is 100% in on Michigan. Has Michigan winning the, the East at 8-1, and one, going 11-1 and one overall. But they also have Ohio State at 8-1, and 11-1 overall there, depending on, I guess, who wins the game uh, would determine who goes to uh, Indianapolis. But he has Michigan listed above Ohio State. Then Penn State at 7-2. and two. And Michigan State, 5-4 and four in the conference, 8-4 and four overall. Uh, Stuart Mandel has Penn State at 7-2, and two, Ohio State at 7-2, and two, Michigan at 7-2 and two in the East Division, and Michigan State at 5-4, and four, going 8-4 and four overall. And then Andy Staples has Ohio State 8-1, and one, winning the East Division, Penn State 7-2, and two, Michigan 6-3, and three, Michigan State 5-4, and 8-4 and four overall. So all three of them picked Michigan State to go 5 and 4 in the conference and 8 and 4 overall which is interesting. Um I think all of them would 100% right now if, if having to predict would lock in a loss for Michigan State at Michigan at Ohio State. Uh I think a lot of them and then it's sort of so that's two. Then how do we get to the other two? Uh they're going to be two of the three of home versus Penn State at Wisconsin at Northwestern. So those five games, they have Michigan State going one and four, I would imagine, uh, and then beating Maryland, beating Indiana, beating Rutgers, beating the bad teams that they're playing that they should beat. And I just thought it was interesting. They all came to the exact same conclusion with Michigan State, five and four in the conference, eight and four overall. So have them winning their non-conference games, coming into the conference three and oh, and then going five and four from there. They also do freshman to watch, breakout player, coach who needs to watch his back, and assistant on the rise, no one from Michigan State. Uh, was mentioned anywhere among those. Uh, and they talk about Michigan State a little bit here. And, uh, you know, they're kind of, I don't know, fascinating is a word that they use. 
Um, they're really interested to see what shakes out with the the changes. Uh, they talk about how continuity has been really important at Michigan State, and you know you're used to at big time programs a clearing out uh, of the staff. Like uh, they use Bob Stoops hiring Lincoln Riley and revamping the offense in 2015 as an example of when it goes wrong at a big program and you just sort of change things out. And so uh, they have some like interesting positive things to say. Um, you know, but they like the D, uh, they're worried about the offense, which, um, you know, they, they're saying they don't think they have enough good playmakers. Is Brian Lewerke, uh, really that good? Um, you know, have the changes they made been enough? Uh, and are they just good enough to stack up with Michigan and Ohio state and to a little bit of a lesser extent, Penn state. So, kind of the same sort of prediction, same sort of analysis you've gotten for Michigan State from everyone this preseason. <laughs> Pretty much everyone's got them going like 8-4, and four, something like that. Some people have them 9-3. and three. Um, And that sort of, I don't know, made me wonder, just because they all have them going 5-4 and four and 8-4 and four in the conference, what would we make of that season? What would we make of them going 8-4, and four, losing to Michigan, losing to Ohio State, uh, we'll say losing to Wisconsin on the road, uh, beating Penn State, and losing to Northwestern on the road. Uh, what would we make of that? Uh, would that be considered a success? Would that be considered an adequate bounce back from last season? It's only you know, a single game improvement in terms of regular season. And then if they win the bowl game, 9-4 and four is a decent-ish season. Um, it's okay. Uh, I would rather like nine and three in the regular season and have a chance to get back to 10 wins or, you know, 10 and two get to 11 wins, obviously. But what would we think of that? And I, I was just trying to think of this. I was sort of grappling it around. And I think I think it'd be incredibly frustrating um, because it's going to be stacked upon what happened last season. And we'll look back on the Lewerke era this way. They went ten and three, nine and three in the regular season, won their bowl game, and finished ten and three in Lewerke's sophomore year. Had a team that was just loaded with sophomore starters all over the place. Um, had some younger guys who looked to be talented from recruiting the recruiting class before that. Uh, yeah, a lot of people left from that class, but there were still other good players. Uh, and things looked like after the blip of 2016, they're on the rebound. You had this rising sophomore quarterback and a bunch of players his age uh, and younger that were really talented around him to build something special and have a nice Kirk Cousins-ish, Connor Cook-ish three-year run. And if they followed up 10-3 and three with 7-6 and six and we'll say 8-5, and five, um, I think that would be incredibly disappointing looking back on it uh, because... You know, if you would have told me after that Holiday Bowl, like, hey, this team, they're all going to stay together. Everyone's going to be here. Um, they're going to not even come close to sniffing a Big Ten East the next two years. Um, I would have told, uh, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have been like, no, like this team is coming off 10 and 3. They are going to be, as long as the work is here, as long as this group is together, this sort of bocce, Lewerke, Willikis, uh, Panashuk Williams group because you could see it all with with those guys when they were younger like all right they're, they're players here they're going to be really good watch out next season watch out their senior seasons uh, I would have thought that team would have been contending for a Big Ten East last year uh, and I would have been shocked 
Uh, if you would have told me then, like, yeah, as seniors, they're all going to be there. They're all going to be playing. They're all going to be healthy. Their senior season, they're only going to go 8-4 and four in the conference. They're going to lose to Northwestern again. They're going to lose to Wisconsin. They're going to lose to Michigan. They're going to lose to Ohio State. They're going to lose all of their road games in conference play, uh, essentially. Uh, I, I wouldn't have, they're going to beat Rutgers, though. Uh, I really, I wouldn't have believed you. Uh, I would have been severely disappointed, and I think uh, it would be a severe disappointment if this group went out that way. Um, they have a chance to sort of flip last year on its head, uh, change the script, compete for a Big Ten, and go out as another one of those really well-regarded groups, uh, a group that won a lot of football games at Michigan State, a group that did a great job bouncing back from 2016 and sort of reestablishing the culture and reestablishing the winning ways. Um, and if they're not able to do that, if they're able to just sort of be middling this year, especially going just over 500 in the conference, uh, I think that would be a supreme disappointment. Maybe it would be okay during the season, understandable during the season, like, oh, well, you lose on the road to Michigan, that's that's understandable, Michigan's good. You lose on the road to Ohio State, that's understandable, Ohio State's really good. Lose on the road to Wisconsin. No, it's understandable. Wisconsin's pretty good. It's really hard to win there. Um, but once you sort of look at the totality of it all, uh, I think them going eight and four overall, five and four in the conference with those losses would be a tremendous disappointment to the season and a tremendous disappointment uh, once you sort of factor it in with 2017 uh, and 2018. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully uh, these guys are all off by a couple of games. And Michigan State is right there with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State fighting for uh, the Big Ten East title. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we will hopefully have information from the scrimmage. I'm betting the defense one. We'll see. Usually, uh, whoever wins the first one, they lose the second one. How things kind of shake up. But we'll see uh, who wins the, the uh, next scrimmage here. Hopefully, we'll get some information. We can talk about it on Tuesday. That's the plan for now. Uh, if that doesn't happen, we'll just call an audible and we'll figure something else out. Thanks so much for listening to today's Locked on Spartans. Uh, reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. Email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com, and check out my work at SpartansWire.usatoday.com. All right, back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Spartans. We will see you then.